most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Kane. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750. WSB. We are America. One voice united we stand. Why do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because, you know, we're going to tell you the truth, give you the facts, and we're going to help set the record straight so you can be a part of the solution of helping to make this a better America. Breaking news. Breaking news. Every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey there, Herman. How you doing? Magnificent. How big is the big GOP debate going to be this week? Well, you know, I think we've seen every debate so far. The the two Republican debates and the one Democratic debate have certainly had an impact on the field. Yep. I mean, think about just most recently the Democrats. Uh, it, it was a big boost for Hillary Clinton. It drummed Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee out of the race, albeit, you know, obviously they weren't playing a huge role, but it cleared away some of the underbrush in that field. Now it got them down to only three candidates. The last Republican debate... Uh, that brought us the end of uh, not only, uh, well, the first one brought us the end of Rick Perry. The second one brought us the end of Scott Walker. So there has been some impacts. Both, I would agree. Uh, you know, not only in how everybody looks and what they say, but in how the race goes forward. And and I think the struggles right now that we're seeing involving Jeb Bush have been related as well to the debates. He has not been able to sort of change the dynamic. And, you know, it, so I would say that as we look at Trump and Ben Carson battling right now, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's going to all get settled in the shootout at the OK Corral on Wednesday or anything no. like that. But it's still another step forward. And there's always the chance that somebody can have a really defining moment. And then there's always a chance you can sort of go blah. I mean, you know, the, to me, the biggest story since the second debate has been the inability of Carly Fiorina to capitalize on her momentum. She had big momentum coming out of the first pre-debate, got herself up on the main stage, had what I thought was a decent debate at the Reagan Library, and then has sort of suddenly just gone down in the polls. There just hasn't been any, uh, has not been able to catch fire even more. So, uh, you know, I, I do think these debates have the effect and the impact of what they're set up to be, and that is they do winnow the field, sometimes maybe not in apparent ways immediately. I have two theories as to why Carly has not continued to move up in the polls. One, All right. one is, I know you don't, you don't see the media as being some liberal and some not liberal, but the liberal media, they do not want to give a lot of coverage to Carly because she makes Hillary looks bad. The second reason that I believe is that her handlers – have been having her spend most of her time going to fundraisers than trying to get on programs that's going to give her exposure through the media and TV and stuff like that. That's just a personal opinion as to you why. Know, was, uh, let's look at her hasn't. schedule for this week. Like right now, her schedule, as sent out by her office, she'll be in the debate on Wednesday. And then she won't have, it looks like she has no announced events all week until Friday evening in Iowa. Then she has a couple events Saturday in Iowa, one on Sunday in Iowa, one on Monday in Iowa. So, yeah, she has uh, not been getting as much. I have not noticed a really aggressive schedule. Right. I think they're still uh, running sort of a low-key operation and a low-budget operation. 
Uh, obviously, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, Jeb Bush and Scott Walker did not run low-budget operations. Walker had to get out when the money dried up, and Bush is having his own money problems. Uh, others, uh, you know, Donald Trump doesn't is not always on the road, but he's actually got a little bit of a stepped-up schedule right now. I do think it's interesting that Trump has been singling out Ben Carson in recent days. That usually, Trump sort of telegraphs who he's worried about or who he wants to get rid of by who he attacks. Yeah. And I know he goes, if you ever listen to one of his his events, he hits everybody pretty much. He just does a laundry list of, uh, of shots at everybody. But with Ben Carson, I think he's certainly been taking it to another level and and the the dog whistle that uh that trump put out the other day on carson's uh religion i thought was an interesting thing all trump did was mention he said he's a presbyterian then he said you know ben carson's a seventh day adventist i really don't know anything about that but just by throwing it out there you know seventh day adventist is not is for a lot of people one of those religions you sort of look at twice and wonder what's that all about and I'm not saying that, that Trump was trying to do that, uh, to go after Carson on it, but it sure seemed like that to some people. And I'll be interested to see how the two of them, how they deal with each other in the days ahead, because you cannot ignore the last couple of polls from Iowa that show Trump has lost his lead there to Carson. Well, we had a caller who pointed out that Club for Growth, didn't they spend a lot of their money to fight are... you know, anti-Trump in Iowa? And this is one thing that I said to you a couple weeks ago. Trump is not firing back with his own ads. And I remember four years ago being in Iowa, and uh, there was nothing on the air except anti-Newt Gingrich ads. And Gingrich said, well, I'm not going to reply to those. I'm going to run a, you know, a positive campaign. Well, that didn't work. Uh, you know, Newt got taken down in Iowa. And I'm not saying making the same prediction here, but I don't think you can just ignore ads on the air. And this may be... One place Donald Trump has been able to suspend the political rules. You know what I mean, Herman? I mean, yeah. a lot of things that have hit other candidates have not impacted him. But this one, the ads are, they say that Trump is a fake conservative, and they rattle off a whole bunch of different things from his past that, you know, don't really follow uh, what a lot of Republicans would say is, is part and parcel of their political philosophy. So maybe that is having an impact. Heck, Club for Growth um, has some problems with Ben Carson as well. Uh, but uh, they haven't uh, stepped forward with any ads against him. <laughs> they have trouble with anybody that they don't feel as if they can contribute to and then have some direct influence. And Carson and his campaign, they aren't having any of that. And so, you know, the, the Club for Growth, I know that you've known about them because they've been around quite a while. I remember when Stephen Moore used to run Club for Growth. I remember when he left Club for Growth. And the culture of the organization has clearly changed. The worrying about who they're going to be against rather than who they're going to be for, I, before, I think is a mistake. But that is another I think the establishment topic. would be very comfortable with Carson taking Trump down in Iowa. Sure they would. Uh, because, you know, let's face it, Iowa has not exactly had a very good track record in the last number of elections. The person who wins Iowa in a contested Republican race uh, has not really gone on to win uh, the, the nomination too often. And so I, I could see the establishment sort of looking at, well, if you could snuff Trump's momentum out in Iowa uh, and, and with the feeling that Carson wouldn't play as well in other states, and I don't think that the GOP establishment would be as worried about Carson winning the Hawkeye state as Trump. Who won it the last time? Uh, Rick Santorum won in Iowa last time. Um. And Mike Huckabee was sort of up there, but Santorum won it. Wow. Uh, 
no, four years ago. In four the years 20, ago. 2012, in the 2012 caucuses, Rick Santorum, well, remember, Mitt Romney was declared the winner, but then at the end they recounted it and Santorum beat him by a couple of votes. Okay, yeah. And then you go back to 2008, and Huckabee did win that year. He did not get the nomination. The last contested race for Republicans where the winner of Iowa went on to win the nomination was George W. Bush in 2000. Uh, Bob Dole also won at 96 and then went on to get the nomination. It, it had a fairly good record up until about then, and then the last two times it is not. Now, the Democrats, you look at them and their, their battles. Obama won in 2008. He won the nomination. Kerry won in 2004. Gore won in 2000. Clinton won in 96. So uh, it's, it's worked much better for the Democrats in the last five than it has for the Republicans. Explain again to people how the our caucuses work. It's a um, it's a great scene. It's much different than uh, your regular uh, sort of go to the polls for a primary that we'll have in New Hampshire. You gather in uh, dozens and dozens of sites all around the state. It can be high school gymnasiums, firehouses, libraries, sort of whatever is sort of a focal point for your precinct and or community. And everybody has to go there, and it takes a few hours. It's not as easy as just, oh, I'll, I'll be back in five minutes, honey. I'm going to run down a library and vote, and I'll be right back. You got to go in there. All the different groups sort of get in their little, you know, uh, corners. There's eight people over there for, uh, you know, for Santorum. There's ten people over there for, you know, whoever other candidates. And you all sort of sit around and count. And it takes a while. So this is a committed kind of thing. And I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed about the polling in Iowa is that the voters, a lot of voters who say they're for both Trump and Carson, have never voted in a caucus before and that to me raises a lot of questions about whether they'll actually be there on right February the will 1st. they show up yeah that's that's a big difference i mean yeah. when i think last week in one of the polls in iowa 69 percent of trump's supporters had never voted in an iowa caucus and that to me just that that's like red lights flashing wildly as to whether or not they'll actually get there that is a good point, but maybe they might be inspired to get there this know. time. You never know. You never, you never know. know how it's going to turn out. The, the debt ceiling, um, some people feel as if that it's going to be raised no matter how the Republicans fight it. Is it because the Republicans are still afraid of being blamed for the shutdown of the government? Well, if no, they this do is it? not a government shutdown. This would be that uh, if you don't raise the debt ceiling by next Tuesday, then the government would start defaulting on some of its debts. And those who say that that's unacceptable argued then that could have a major impact on financial markets, the stock markets, interest rates, and other things. Uh, you know, I you always hear all kinds of scare uh, stories about what would result. But this is separate from a government shutdown. Uh, the debt limit will run, will will hit the debt limit next Tuesday is the estimate of the Treasury Department. That you know, interviewing Republicans late last week, Herman, both sort of of the establishment vein and of the Tea Party slash Freedom Caucus vein. A number of them said, you know what, it's too late in the game. The, the White House is refusing to negotiate on any budget changes. So the likelihood of getting some kind of budget deal like uh, sequestration, what came out of the 2011 uh, debt ceiling fight, the likelihood of getting something is, is probably remote. And I would think that even though there will be a lot of Republicans this week that will say they don't want to raise the debt ceiling, that's sort of where we're headed at this point in time over the next week. The question is how it's done. When it's done, 
uh, how many Republicans uh, uh, refuse to vote for it, etc. It could be one of the final things that John Boehner does as the Speaker of the House, or it could be one of the first things that Paul Ryan has to do as the new Speaker. But it's not about uh, who's going to be blamed. At, uh, relative well, I to think the they'll be blamed, ceiling. sure. Should, I mean, look, yeah. there, there's some people who th- say that this is, you know, at base on the Republican side, that it's a fault of the Republican Party and the leadership for not having gotten out earlier on this. There's a lot of guys who don't like the fact that they sort of get this gets jammed down their throat at the last minute. Uh, you know, we can have a big argument about what should be done and how the budget should be changed and more, but the Republicans aren't in charge of everything. It's the same thing that we've talked about again and again. Uh, the GOP does not have a enough votes in the Senate to do whatever they want to do. There is a Democrat in the White House. So it's, it's one of those things where when you look at it, you can understand why there are some in the GOP that would like to have a big showdown over this. Uh, there are a lot of others who say, you know what, I'm not putting the full faith and credit of the United States on the line. Gotcha. Speaking of the caucus and the House, are people sort of clearing the way for Paul Ryan to get elected speaker? There will still be. The vote will be Thursday on the floor of the House. There'll still be some Republicans, I'd say 10 or 15, who will not vote for him. And there's some who argue that he's nothing more than a clone of John Boehner. But right now, Paul Ryan will be the next speaker of the House. That's the way it looks, Herman. Very good. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, buddy. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show.